Hey, and welcome back to the Pastor Pleck Podcast. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about um, homeschooling, and is that the right option for you? And if it is, <laughs> what homeschool curriculum do you choose? Uh, in studio today with me is my beautiful wife, Adrian. I'm so glad that you are here. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you. All right, and uh, Adrian, you and I have been discussing over the past month Plus, what in the world we are going to do this fall when it comes to home school or virtual uh, independent school district or in-person school, what we would do. So please tell us what exactly um, you've been feeling over the past month plus and how we've come to the decision that we've made. Yeah, so we have been really just conflicted about what to do, wanting our kids to be with peers and with their friends. We love our school in the neighborhood and wanting our kids to be back there. This was supposed to be our our oldest son is going to be in second grade and our second one will be starting kindergarten. And then we have a three-year-old and also a very challenging one-year-old. And so this, this school day was partially just survival with all of the kids and managing and making sure that the older two were able to get all of their educational needs met away from home and make friends and kind of submit to an authority outside of mom, outside of dad. And we loved all that. We felt strongly about that. We felt like it was the best thing for the boys. But with this situation with virtual schooling, we have been left with some tough decisions to make and some options that all kind of looked bad. And our oldest son really does need some, he's at a critical time now for reading and writing and needs a lot of specific focus in that area. And we just did not feel like the virtual school was going to be able to meet those needs. Let's and talk about that for a sec. Because last spring, we, we got to experience virtual school uh, to some extent. And really, what would you say was the, the positive or the negative? Or you know, what, what did you feel from uh, last semester uh, in a virtual environment? You know, it was it was very impersonal. And it was kind of challenging for it was challenging for the boys. They were they were not able to work the computer as well as you would have hoped. And, and I know that the virtual model has changed. They have made a much better system. So they've created a much better system this fall than they did last spring. Last spring, they had to figure it out in a matter of days. And that was like, that was a, just a hard situation for everyone. And so I know that this is going to be an, an improved situation. But what we experienced last spring was that I was having to do a whole lot of managing of technology, of teacher. And, and, I, and I know that the situation's much better. But I still have a five-year-old who can't log on to a computer. And I still have a seven-year-old who really enjoys watching Pokemon on YouTube. And so to keep them managed and keep them on task and keep them, like, and be managing a baby and a three-year-old. I mean, it's just too much. I can't I can't be managing a computer and then teaching them phonics and reading and writing on top of meeting these standards for the district on the virtual. It's just too much, too much and not conducive for teaching, I think, at these two ages of young boys. And So we sort of figured out that the virtual following the school curriculum of doing meetings on the computer just wasn't going to work for us because essentially uh, it's you having to do the homeschooling 
uh, and the the virtual class time was really just socialization with other children is what we found, correct? Right, absolutely. So uh, I guess so that may is, so we said, okay, let's. what about in person? Because we're big fans of that. We're not exactly the, we're afraid of the coronavirus type people, uh, but we were worried, a uh, concern, what would happen when someone got coronavirus and in-person learning took a break? What was the, your concern on that? You know, I just, I never have heard, I still have yet to hear a plan that sounds really solid for what happens. And everything with coronavirus to me has felt very unpredictable and illogical. And I couldn't handle another semester of that level of just fluidity of like, oh, we're doing this, now we're doing this, and we're turning on a dime. And for me, that's any schedule change when you have four small children and nap schedules and shuffling, I mean, any change is a big transition. And so to make those transitions, to kind of live at a two-week-at-a-time plan ahead, that, that was not working for us. All right. So then we said, okay, let's let's go and let's figure out what homeschool would look like for us. And so uh, tell tell me tell everyone here about the like I didn't even know there was different types of homeschooling, and I learned a ton from you about I guess the eight different ways to to homeschool and uh, the different sort of methods that or approaches to education I had no clue about. So um, how did you even like I guess Google was where you started. Yeah, everything else in my life I'm able to go from complete ignorance to enough you know, competence through a 30-minute Google search that I feel just fine taking a stab at a project. And homeschooling was the very first thing that I've come across where Google was like really unhelpful. And I was able to, I was getting a lot of ads and a lot of plugs for different curriculums. And I I knew enough to know that there was a few things I wanted to stay away from. There was a few t- approaches to education that just weren't going to fit for our family if our plan was to go back into public school. Well, can you, hold on. Before you get into that, what are the approaches to education? Because I just thought you give a kid a worksheet and he fills it out. Right. And I thought that too. And and that one that wasn't working, our, our boys haven't been responding very well to my awesome workbooks. And also, it was that's not how it goes. So when you really get into actual homeschool curriculum, the world is vast and there are hundreds, there's probably thousands of books and materials, but there's eight specific approaches. So Kathy Duffy, I don't know who this woman is, but she has become my new, I've been telling everyone she's my new BFF. So shout out to Kathy Duffy. She has created, I don't even know if this woman is still like Alive. alive. She, I'm sure she is, right? She has to be. But everything she's created has been, I, I, I know it's been around for a little while because she's she has a few suggestions of things that have been around for like 20, 30 years. But then some of her suggestions are newer things. And so um, she's been awesome. <laughs> she has a webpage, Kathy Duffy. If you Google her name, you can find her website and it has an amazing advanced search tool where you can kind of take a stab at searching through criteria that you sound that sounds like it would meet the needs of your children and then finding curriculum that meets that criteria. But she also created this book that I bought for $6 in the form of a PDF at 4 a.m. like last Friday morning when I when we made this decision that like taking control and homeschooling was going to be ultimately less work than trying to do the circus act of virtual school with multiple children. And so here we are taking a step. So it was called How to Choose Homeschool Curriculum by Kathy Duffy. And I downloaded the book. It downloaded immediately to my computer after I paid my $6. And 
I printed off the entire thing because I don't do well with things that aren't hard copy. And I read the whole book in probably an hour. It wasn't too long, but it was super informative. So what I... Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me jump in. I skimmed it and I felt like there were some things that I really, in my skimming, uh, that I was able to uh, kind of gather that you were really having to decide on. One was the, the approach to education. And... Um, I, what I loved about the book is it explained all the different approaches and who it would be like best for. And uh, we can talk, there's about eight of them, uh, but talk about the ones we chose. And you can go to the Kathy W thing to find your own kid and what you got. But talk about the ones that we sort of found were, were good for our boys. Yeah. So basically there's, I won't list all the eight types, but what I will tell you is that there's, the pendulum goes from a version of unschooling, which is where you throw out pretty much everything you know about school and you kind of work on developing your child's brain and mind and areas that they have interest, that would be on one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is traditional model, like a very rigorous kind of think of that as like a private school curriculum. So something more rigorous than a traditional public school and high, high standards and a whole bunch of worksheets, a whole bunch of drills, lots of memorization of facts, but also lots of execution on problem solving and use of those facts. So, so that would be a in the category of like packaged traditional program. And honestly, that's the direction I thought we'd be going. I thought, you know, this is our chance to kind of get our feet under us and maybe even get ahead academically. And so I, I was kind of thinking that would be the best thing. So I start looking up some of these traditional types of curriculum. And then I finish through, I go through Kathy Duffy's book and she has you identify there's four types of children, of learners. And so I get there and I am, she has Wiggly Willie, Competent Carl, Sociable Sue, and um, who else does she have? Wiggly Willie, yeah. And Perfect Paula. (laughs) And Perfect Paula would be the type of student who would be she describes this as a person that loves lectures, rules, workbooks, drill and review, repetition and memorization, all of the things that I thought we would be after in a, in a curriculum. And I quickly realized I don't have any perfect Paula's. That was not in the gene pool of plug and pull. And so... What do we have? <laughs> we have some wiggly willies. I think we have some sociable Sue's. I think we might have a competent Carl in there. But what I do know is that the traditional worksheet textbook model of teaching wasn't going to be something that our kids were going to enjoy or probably be very effective in and could ultimately discourage them academically. And what I also learned from this research is that a public school education does a pretty great job combining all of these types. And so they don't necessarily execute any type, all that excellently, but they are hitting on all of these different types of education. Sort of like a jack of all trades as opposed to a master of one. One, exactly. And so, and you can kind of see how for a public school model, that's, that's kind of an ideal way of going about it because then you don't, all of the different types of learners are going to be taught to in a public school atmosphere. And, um, So, but for me, homeschooling, I'm having to purchase what we're using and I'm having to stick with it. And so I needed to stay away from a prepackaged traditional curriculum, but I also needed to incorporate a lot of traditional curriculum and models because we plan to go back into public school as soon as things normalize again. And so I can't completely get off of the path that public school is on. And so that left me with going to Kathy Duffy's website and putting a few specific criteria into her advanced search. And so I was able to put in things like hands-on activities, games, and 
this all kind of falls under the word that I learned was eclectic. This is a eclectic approach to education. And so what, what that means is I'm taking some traditional elements uh, along with some more hands-on, more like unit independent study type methods and a little bit of Charlotte Mason, who you can read more about her approach as you if you download this PDF. But it was definitely an eclectic approach. And I have found three different things. I've separated our... Our phonics and reading curriculum, I got something that looked really appealing to young boys and that was recommended for kids that struggle with some of the attention span for learning reading. And then I was able to purchase a a math curriculum that was very traditional, very normal, very congruent with what they're doing in public schools. And I was also able to then add on a what looks to be a fun kind of patriotic history that is taught through a Christian perspective, which we valued. And, um, but it's also not a, it's not necessarily an overly Christian (laughs) curriculum. It's just history through the lens of acknowledging God, acknowledging uh, some creation, but also teaching us some actual history, historical events that happen in some of the second grade public school, Texas public school, they call them TEKS, the Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills. They require, they go through in second grade, the founding fathers of our nation and a lot of the patriotic songs and the continents and the bodies of water and and just kind of a a very strong U.S. history foundation. And And this. how did you, like, is that intimidating to you as one who is a great history buff? You know, I'm hoping to learn alongside my boys this semester. (laughs) I didn't really, I always say I never learned anything at K through 12, which is kind of true. And so I am excited. I'm excited to kind of learn some of this, this, the historical information that I've had to piece together as an adult. I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to give my kids a better foundation especially in light of everything that's going on right now in our nation, I feel like having some historical knowledge is super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, so you've come up with, what was your conclusion, uh, just for like actual getting into the, you ordered this specific curriculum for, uh, Austin and for Jet. So I got to where I, after I finished this reading through this PDF, I identified that we needed to learn reading, writing, and math. That's really all that mattered for this year. And so I, I, I spent a lot of time reading many reviews on specific phonics and reading curriculums. So I was very carefully selected that one based on what I felt like the needs of my boys were. And, um, so do you remember which the name of that was? Yes. I, I, we picked it. Uh, Lord, I can never remember. Explode the code is the name of it. I have. Tr- this has been called Explore the Code. It's called like Crash the Crunchers. I mean, I think Adrian has come up with everything, and she's tried to explain it to me. And I'm like, "What's the name of it?" And then she's like, "Explode the Code." Right. There you go. So, it's, and it looks kind of like a graphic novel on the outside, and there's individual leveled workbooks for that for each phonics rule that you learn one at a time. And so, Explode the Code is not math. That's reading. That's reading, and code is um, phonics, which okay. is not something that they typically teach. Have in public school, so I'm really excited to give them a better foundation of that. And that was the most important one to me was phonics curriculum. And the second was math. So we picked Horizons Math, which is very congruent, like I said, with public school. I think it will get us a little further maybe than they would get, which is exciting to maybe give them. Math seems to be something we're naturally more gifted in than the, than the reading and writing, at least at this right. point. Right now, I'd say we're probably on a pre-kindergarten or maybe kindergarten <laughs> writing Maybe a barely starting first grade reading and a second grade math. Yeah, yeah. that's right. 
So that seemed like a good fit for us. It seemed like what we needed. And um, then, like I said, for the history, the history is there to mainly be fun, mainly to give the kids a little bit of an introduction to U.S. history to educate me primarily and also to give us some so what unit study is, is units the concept of a unit study is that a you give the children kind of an umbrella like like US history that you're learning but through that umbrella they're able to p- pick specific things that interest them and then that's what they actually write about that's what they actually they'll do a coloring sheet they'll do a drawing activity they'll do a they'll watch a video on the subjects that interest them. And so what we learned through learning styles is that especially for our oldest who has a hard time, he's just really turned off by most things academic. If we can get him really interested in the subject, then we can we have more success getting him to actually practice the fundamental skills. And so the idea of our, of our unit study, which is I picked our star-spangled story is the one I picked for that. The idea of that is that it will hopefully be something that interests him, that excites him, and therefore makes the writing process a little less painful. When you say interest, is that like a book that I'm going to read to him, or is that a book that he reads to him, or or is so there's it's multi-leveled. Oh wow! Yeah, when it comes in the mail, you'll get to explore. So there's a timeline book that comes with it. There's a teacher book, which I'm hoping to learn from, and then there's a student workbook that has hands-on activities as well as actual a few actual worksheets, and there's. Um, a CD with like you, you get to watch dances. You know, George Washington had a certain style of dance he liked, so you get to watch that. <laughs> and, oh man, I can't wait yeah. for the for that uh, in person. Like, so are you gonna like demonstrate these? You dances? know, I was thinking maybe you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so all right, so you got the curriculum. You use Kathy Duffy. What about like a Christian like basics of the faith? How are you incorporating that? Because you know, listen, there was a time, and not that we would be this family, but there was a time where you sort of left uh, your Christian development for Sunday school and for Awana, uh, and now that's sort of on us. Like, what have you been doing with our boys to incorporate Christ into their life on a daily basis? Yeah, so that's a great question. I've been really wrestling with this one. We, I, I did kind of land on the fact that I don't want to incorporate too much spirituality into their academics. I think that... Why is that? Like, what is... Like, are, are you afraid of Jesus here? What's going on? <laughs> I feel like there needs to be a bit of a separation. I want... I want... Jesus and I want the story of of the gospel to be something that my kids run to when the world is when they're hurting and when the world is confusing. I don't want it to be something that I hammer in to them at every corner. And in other words, you, you don't want it to make something they dread as another thing to learn. Right. It, it's a, something that they're going to in, enjoy and love. So how are you presenting the gospel? And maybe this is something we both do. I mean, I think this is where we the gospel presentation for us and our family happens like all the time, would you say? Right. And and because of that, I don't think we need to be incorporating it too heavily in our academics. And so I'm excited to have a history curriculum that's written, you know, the, every history is written at some perspective and some angle with some agenda. And so to have a Christian agenda, that's great. I mean, that's that's like way to go. But I, but it's not, we're not going to be hammering a lot of like spiritual principles during that time. And so one thing I definitely feel is that the word of God, that my Bible is very clear that the word of God does not return void. And so I do value 
Bible memorization. And I, as a child, I I was just telling my dad this weekend, I, I really do believe that about 85 to 90% of the Bible verses that I know today, I learned before I left their house, before the age of 18. And that's not because... You're lazy now. I'm Well, it is because I'm lazy now, but it's... <laughs> But it's because, it's not because my parents forced it, but it's because I did have a Sunday school that gave me a lot of incentives. I did go to a private school for a couple of years and and I did not enjoy the process of Bible memorization. However, it worked. The Bible verses stuck into my head and those verses ministered to me and encouraged me and direct me now as a 34-year-old adult and I learned them more than 20 years ago. And so I vow, so I'm okay if Bible verse memorization is not that enjoyable and it does feel hammered in. But I'm not necessarily okay for there to be spiritual spiritual principles, principles and um and a, a view of God that gets hammered into the academic. I I would like to have those say two things separated. Right. And so, so how do, how are we as a as a family are we, are we incorporating spiritual principles? How would you say that? Happens? So we so so your awesome idea of we finally decided that if we want the kids to learn these Bible verses and we want them to be something that they – that's going to be sheer discipline, right? Like it's not that fun to memorize something. <laughs> and so, Chris, you've offered them $5, which is quite a lot, of $5 of cash for every – Bible verse they memorize. And so I'm hoping to to continue to kind of spur the motivation they have to make money to go buy the things at Walmart that excite them with through some handwriting, through some some maybe some Bible verse you know, copying, which can be a little bit of some handwriting curriculum, that there's a lot of fun YouTube videos that have songs and tons of creative animation. What was one of those? I think the, the one we've been watching recently. Yeah. Do you the Risers. That? It's on YouTube. It's called The Risers. It's like there's, it's through a church that has created it, but there's several videos that are, that are, the whole video is just a Bible verse that our kids have memorized a couple verses now from those videos, and that's been actually really fun. And once they memorize the song well enough that they can recite the verse, well, then great, that's $5. And so we've tried to make it enjoyable, but I'm okay if that's not terribly enjoyable as long as that they're committing to their mind the Word of God and the principles of God. I, I like that. But that's kind of – and I'm also – every morning I do a very short, like five-minute devotional with the boys where I read – a two sentence Bible story. Like I, I got a, a from Sam's Club. I bought a five minute devotional book and has big pictures. And I, I add a little bit to the story, but it's a super short story. And we read like yesterday. We read about Jesus being baptized. And I, after we read the story about it, I asked each boy to. I, I went through what baptism means, and we talked again about the gospel, about how Jesus came and died and rose again, and. He had to do this for our sin, and so I had each boy share a sin, like confess a sin that they can, that they've committed over the last day or two, and they did. They they each share a sin, and then we pray and we move on, and that's our that's our spiritual time. And then we try to incorporate some of those same gospel centered themes throughout our parenting. But I do want those things to be separated from our core academic learning. Right. Yeah, I, and I think we I think one of the things we do well at is we have. If like for example, if there's um, if someone has a bad day at school, if someone was inappropriately touched, we go right into being really real about um, hey, what happened at school? What happened with that kid on the playground? What happened with all that stuff? And we're able to communicate. And then, or even if like um, 
there's a disabled person and we had a had a hard conversation with our second son being like you don't laugh at you don't talk like that because that person is created by god that person is loved by god and that person uh is valued by god and so don't you dare laugh at that and really but then you have to take the shame off because then immediately you got tears and you're like no no listen you understand there's no condemnation for those who are in jesus and and that whole reality of like having the conversations throughout the day because you're going to have there's so many opportunities uh throughout every day of things you're doing to have spiritual conversations uh, at the level of which kids can have, can understand and, and wrap their head around. Uh, but that becomes a really uh, beautiful place for us to really grow in, um, in our ability to communicate the gospel and their ability to receive it. And it just has to be all the time. Mm-hmm. It's life on. It's, I feel like our, when our spiritual education happens through life events and through emotions from our kids, that to me feels like a win because that's that's where the gospel applies. And I feel I've I've after reading through some of these different reviews of curriculum and even just watching some of my friends that grew up where there were um you know an image of God that is kind of marked by an, an a curriculum mm-hmm. that was academic, that can be tough. You can really mess misrepresent God and and kind of his role and his love for you. Compartmentalize it into an academic piece. Yeah. Or view him as somebody that I think sometimes you can view God as this impersonal authoritarian like slave driver almost. Like you can Mm -hmm. view him as someone who expects product from you and, and wants you to achieve. And why, and I just, I think that that's really missing the heart of God. And so I want to, I'm okay drilling in some of the, the words of the Bible, some of the principles of the, of some Bible verses. I'm, I'm okay. If what did the, what's the verse the boys just learned? It was, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And the boys kind of understand that concept right now, but they won't really understand it until they grow and they understand what their old self was and, and the sin that is part of their flesh and then, and the new creation that God has made them. And as they interact with other people who don't know Christ and they are and they see the ugliness that comes from mm-hmm. a sin nature and how it can right. hurt them. And, and it's going to be through life that they understand what those verses mean. And so I think that when those verses are memorized and those are kind of imprinted in your brain, you are able, you have tools then later to go back and to fill in the significance and the meaning of those verses. And, and I think that that's why you've got to combine actual Bible memorization with life-on-life parenting where you're taking specific situations and whether it was, you know, at a sports practice or, mm-hmm. you know, a person at the grocery store, the way we treated a, an adult that tried to engage us in conversation. Those are all opportunities, I think, to instill the spiritual principles, but not necessarily having to make it something that's intertwined all the time academically. Yeah, we can talk more about that in a future podcast. But I think that really sums up really what we wanted to go of uh, – there's a way to choose homeschool curriculum if you're going to do it, even if it's just for a semester or two. Uh, go to Kathy Duffy's website, and she'll guide you through that a lot. And if you have any other questions, you can always ask us, and we will answer your questions. Uh, hey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Pastor Plex Podcast. We'll see you next time.